The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, Episode 74. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make it so. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today, if you like hearing us dislike something <laughs> and complaining, uh, you're in luck, because today we're discussing the Next Generation episode, Code of Honor. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Uh, folks, if you have not yet done so, please subscribe using Apple Podcasts or Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Spotify or your favorite podcast app, or at our YouTube channel, uh, where you should hit the bell to get notifications, and that way you'll always have the latest episode of Secrets of Star Trek. Uh, Okay, so we're talking about Code of Honor. This was the third episode of the first season of Star Trek. And And it shows it. Yeah, basically, this is not a good beginning for Star Trek The Next Generation. Widely considered to be... Certainly one of the worst episodes ever, and some even argue worst episode ever, but it's yeah. really bad. And I saw a quote from Will Wheaton saying, you know, if 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 they had been a network show rather than a syndicated show, this is the kind of effort, this is the kind of episode that would have led them to be canceled after the first season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That doesn't or, surprise me. Yeah, the first half dozen episodes. Yeah. Well, yeah, Jonathan Frakes called this episode a racist piece of bleep. Uh, so he's, he's, <laughs> he's kind of got to say that because of the reputation this episode has for racism, but right. there's, and, and there's a lot, uh, there's a reason there's a you, can, there. you can make that yeah. charge, but let's test mm-hmm. it first because just because people yell racism doesn't mean it's always true. Right. right. The, here's the counter case. So in this episode, we have this alien planet, Ligon 2, and the inhabitants, the Ligonians, have this honor-based culture that clearly has some elements from, an, from you know, human history. Mm-hmm. In, they have a counting coup kind of custom yep. that they do and a, and a bride kidnapping custom that they do. And this is all, this is stuff straight out of Earth cultures. And not just in one area on Earth. Multiple Earth cultures yeah, have done these it's things. It's a combination of Native and African and Asian, Asian cultures yep. all just kind of blended together. Right. Yep. And there's a line where um, where Picard says to the Ligonian leader that your culture has a striking similarity to an Earth culture that we all admire. But then they don't name it. And, <laughs> I noticed and, that. And it, it and so people infer that he must be talking about Africa as a whole, even though that's not a culture, that's multiple cultures. 
and the basis for that is all of the all of the actors playing the the Lagonians are black. And mm-hmm. they wear this kind of futuristic tribal dress, including turbans, and they wear these puffy king and I parachute pants, <laughs> and they and they speak with African accents, and and they really come across as African stereotypes. Right. But here's the thing. The script did not call for any of that. That was all the director's choice. Right. The script mm. did not call. Now, I actually find the idea uh, of meeting an, another culture where, you know, it's not automatically pink humanoids. Right. You know, having brown humanoids. Oh, nice change. Yellow humanoids. Nice change. You know, blue humanoids. Nice change. I find the idea of 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 meeting a a, a group. It doesn't have to be mixed because not every group is mixed. Mixed culture, mixed skin tones is fine, but also just different skin tone is fine than Hmm. the majority of the actors in Hollywood traditionally have been pink. And having a having a species that's majority something else is totally fine with me. I find that interesting. It's just these ones come across like African stereotypes. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not in the script. The script didn't call for them to all look African. And the culture that they are allegedly similar to doesn't appear, based on the backstory of this episode or the contents of the shooting script, to be meant to be African. In the backstory, these people were originally going to be a race of reptilian humanoids that were similar to samurai honor culture. So that would have been Japanese. And then in the actual shooting script in the episode, they immediately after Picard mentions that you're similar to an earth culture we all admire. He gives them a horse from Han China. Right. And so I, even when I first saw this, I assume, oh, they're saying they're somehow similar to the Chinese historically. That's what I thought. That's yeah. what I thought. It was Sung Dynasty that was what they were comparing them to. Yeah. You know, Will Wheaton says that, you know, if this, it's the casting was the problem. If they didn't yeah. cast all of the actors as black, and if the director didn't choose, and probably that's the director. Well, or I was somebody, just, just going to go to him, yeah, but go ahead. Yes, somebody made a choice that we're going to do this as African culture um, and make all the act, all the actors black, but when you have a problematic like uh, caricature of, mm-hmm. of a culture, I mean, if they were all, I don't know, um, all Mexican, you know, that would, that would be bad. If they were all, if it were like over the top Italian, you know, it mm-hmm. would like yeah. it would just yeah. be, it would be obnoxious. It would be right. bad. So, so then that's what it is. It's over the top. Yeah, and to close so to close the loop on a couple of my points, it was the director who chose to cast them all as black, and he yeah. got fired in mid episode by Roddenberry. Right. Mm-hmm. It, the dispute is over. Did he get fired for casting them all as black and thus creating this stereotype situation? Or, according to some accounts, he he had some kind of bad attitude towards them after he casted them, and that was what led to him getting fired. But in any event, the director got fired and was replaced on an emergency basis by Les Landau, who didn't get credit. He didn't want his screen credit for this. <laughs> no. And I can understand why. The other thing, though, is it's the other big problem that really makes this seem racist and would if it was you know, Hispanics or Italians or whatever, is this is a moral superiority episode. 
And this is our first moral superiority episode in Next Gen, where the Federation is just clearly morally superior to the people they're dealing with. And the whole thing ends up being like a sermon for how great the Federation is in the 24th century and how foolish these other people are for being different than the Federation. And Mm -hmm. and let's laugh at them. And if you then monolithically cast the people as one group that you're then being morally superior to, yeah, that's going to come across as racist. Especially since everybody in the Federation cast in this episode is, well, okay, apart from LeVar Burton, are all pink. Uh, And Worf. Well, and now that was an important uh, point to make, I think, is that the one ca- uh, crew member of the ship whose culture is rigidly honor-based is absent. Klingons are, are, are strongly yeah. honor, honor code. And well, yet, they are now. Reason, they, they, didn't yeah. use, they weren't in original series. That was the I guess, Romulans. I guess so, yeah. I guess at this point in the development, it wasn't much. But yeah, Michael Dorn wasn't in this one for some reason. Uh, probably walked off the set and refused to be on it. Yeah. Well, one other interesting behind-the-scenes point to make is the uh, about the writer of this episode, Catherine Powers, mm-hmm. who apparently, uh, not apparently, who also wrote a similar Stargate SG-1 first season episode in which Samantha Carter, the female soldier member of the of the team, is abducted by an alien leader who bears a strong resemblance to a Mongolian culture uh, mm. where women are subservient, but he's attracted to a strong woman. That's right. I but, forgot about that episode. Both episodes were widely criticized, criticized, and I'm left thinking, like, what is Catherine Powers' particular thing going on with these stories? Is it she likes the, she? It's like is, she likes a romance novel, sort of like strong man uh, captures the heart of strong woman, or is it a feminist uh, narrative where uh, no, no, uh, strong women have to stand up against cultures that make women subservient? I I, I don't know. Maybe what are the, you know, it could be something even something different, but. I just thought it was very interesting that this seems to be a a a, a, a an itch that she had to scratch at least twice, and maybe well, trying to get it right the second time. It, it, so it was. I mean, she meant this to be reptilian samurai people, right? So you know, and then under Gene Roddenberry's influence, it becomes this weirder sex thing. Um, right. and, and it could be, I could say the Stargate one came out after this. And so I could easily see, oh yeah, we want something like that. Let me try rewriting it and doing it better, more properly, whether yeah. or not it, it works worked or out not. right. But <laughs> yeah. afterward they go, um, no, that didn't work again. <laughs> Let's not do that. To, to be fair. I mean, she, at least she kept going with Stargate. So, I mean, she yeah. apparently had some success there unlike in star trek but right right uh okay so let's talk about the episode itself uh i i particularly enjoyed this moment at the very beginning where uh lutan the the leader uh is going to beam aboard using their own transporters so they're advanced enough to have transporters um but his people beam aboard first and literally roll out the red carpet for him yeah as he arrives or a a carpet yeah yes uh uh, yar so they're presenting a sample of the vaccine, and Tasha Yar. Oh, yeah, we should mention that this is this is the reason they've come to Ligon Two is they have an impossible to replicate vaccine on this planet, and a neighboring reason. planet named Styrus Four has having the plague that this vaccine will cure. 
Yes. Yep. So they're here yep. to get the vaccine that they can't replicate because they say it becomes unstable if you try to replicate it. It right. breaks down. So uh, so they they want to present a sample of the vaccine to the, the uh, Picard. Um, and so Lutan's second in command, you know, brings this forward and Tasha's like, steps in front, no, I must inspect it for, first. And he's, get out of my way, woman. And which, so she judo flips him to take it from him. Like, Which I think that's like- literally the only time in TNG that the security officer ever actually intercepted something <laughs> that the captain yes. was going to receive. I, I know. And it's like, wait, if there was a bomb or an energy source, wouldn't your transporter thing have picked uh, it up and shouldn't well, it have sterilized anything dangerous and but they didn't they didn't use the enterprise's transporter oh okay true but yeah the, the it's it's a ship that's full of sensors you think they'd find something yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it just it seemed unnecessarily aggressive and on her yeah, part you know it was, it was. over the top um, oh and, and by the way so apparently ligon 2 is not a member of the federation they don't have right. a treaty with them yet and yes. so this is our first Picard as diplomat mission. Oh, in right. Addition, in addition to our first moral superiority episode, it's our first diplomatic <laughs> mission. Right. Uh, what, my, one note I made right at the very beginning is these early episodes of Next Gen have very 1980s music, t- you know, TV music. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you like that. It really stuck out to me how very like 1980s TV show it feels in these early episodes. It's really. Uh, if you want to experience that, folks, go check it out. Yeah. Um, uh, Lutan is, you know, uh, uh, taken with uh, Tasha, and we see... A woman? Know, your chief of security? <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, they're also Troy, misogynists. Right, yep. right. Troy is uh, very empathy still, very m- much about em- you know feel- everybody's feelings at this point. And so she feels that Lutan is attracted to Tasha, but he has... Also, ambitions about her. We, we, that comes up in a, it, as, mm-hmm. as we go along. But um, So there's some sort of thing that he has for Tasha. And uh, he wants Tasha to show him the holodeck. So the holodeck is, t- for us and for the show, still very new. So they're showing us mm-hmm. the, the, the capabilities. And it actually works differently than it will eventually work. You know, the, the way you start it is you pick up a pad and you program it and you touch it. And... You know, oh, it's very ooh! It's a it's not alive, and it's that cultural superiority thing again. You know where yep. Lutan is so backwards he doesn't realize that the holodeck projection is not a real person, even um, even though he knows it's not a real person, but it's he somehow can't quite wrap his head around that. And that's yeah. really <laughs> one of the problems with these aliens. They are one note aliens. They yep, they right. just every opportunity make them look. Make them look stupid and proud. I guess that's exactly. maybe two notes. <laughs> Which is worse, this one or Angel One? Uh, we'll, get to- we'll have to wait till we get to Angel One. But before we get to Angel One, we've got the last outpost with the Ferengi coming up. That's next. Oh yes. Oh man, this was a rough beginning. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, yeah, this, I'm this, surprised this, this lasted. This is this is why when so when you someone says, "Well, I want to check out Next Generation. I've never watched it before." Start with season three. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say season, season one and three. season two even existed. Yeah, go back yeah. and watch them later, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I and agree. really, if you want it to be really good, start with start with the final episode of season three, Best of Both Worlds, yep. Part Two, <laughs> right? Or right. Part One, Part One. Part one yep. All right, so Lutan kidnaps Yar in the the worst. Uh, most obvious kidnapping ever. 
Um, and so Picard decides to fire a warning shot of photon torpedoes, a full spread exploding a thousand meters above the surface, which Three seems thousand quite- feet. Yeah. Three thousand. Think about that. Our planes fly at thirty-five thousand feet. Yeah, That's- the torpedoes would be below them. Yes, this would be a very low. At, uh, mm-hmm. like, we have buildings uh, that those torpedoes would hit. Well, or at least the blast uh, uh, wave would would destroy stuff on the ground. I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, photon torpedoes are supposed to be pretty powerful. I um, well, but I I took it as he told him to dial down the power level to just make it a display. Uh, okay, I suppose. Yeah, they're, but they're still, adjustable. he's he's launching these things at altitudes where at least on Earth, would do damage today. Yeah. Of course, the special effects guys didn't get the, the script till too late or something, and it they explode in orbit. <laughs> like, it's above yeah. the surface, you know, of the above the atmosphere. So oh, It's just know. a freakishly tiny planet, like the one in Voyager's <laughs> opening credits. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes, that's what it is. Uh, so Picard is apparently willing to go to war, or at least to uh, threaten war, over the the capture of Yar, um, we we yeah we're told uh, Cr- Crusher comes in and does her, um, I don't know that early Crusher has this sort of breathless I'm so upset thing that she comes in and does like I'm a harried doctor who you know I I I don't know what to do with myself you've got to fix this Captain uh, thing yeah. it was really weird about the unable to replicate the vaccine, um which yeah she- I thought that was weird. She really wasn't playing the urgency well. Like you said, it was more breathless than it was, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really trying to emphasize you the urgency of this. Also, the dialogue is really lame at multiple points in this episode, including in this scene. Crusher has this line, damn, where are the calluses we doctors are supposed to grow over our feelings? Yeah. (laughs) Who talks like that? (laughs) Well, the same, the same person who in the, the, the next breath says, my son's in the turbo lift. Can he come in? <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> Technically, well, he's not on the bridge like you said he shouldn't yeah. be. He's, te- he's just standing in the turbo lift with the door open. By the way, why is he even there? Why is yeah. he even like in the episode whatsoever? We've got a plague killing millions of people on this planet that I just came in to tell you, you know, get off your, your butt, Captain Ricard, and get that vaccine for these people. Do what you got to uh, do. Oh, and by the way, you're dealing with this uh, diplomatic crisis, and our chief of security has been kidnapped. Oh, by the way, if you're not busy, <laughs> yeah, my exactly. son come on the bridge. Yeah, it's like <laughs> this is like oh, well, you know, Roddenberry's in the office going, you know, we've got to get uh, Wesley more involved in things. So let's get him on the bridge in this episode somewhere. Just stick it in. Just stick it just, in somewhere. Just get him sit down like an ops there or something. <laughs> Let him just like run things. Yeah, you know, ops operations sure yeah. let's put a kid there that's a great yeah. place yeah you know when we're on, on a war footing uh I, I did like though there was one line i did like where you know picard comes out and calls wesley onto the bridge and says uh, go ahead and sit down at ops and you know and everybody keeps like repeating at ops at ops and picard says yes is the whole ship deaf at ops like <laughs> I, I felt like now this is like a dad moment you know is yep. everybody deaf? Do you, do, am I repeating myself? Am, <laughs> am I, I stuttering? English? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Data also uh, calls French an obscure language, uh, which kicks off Picard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a guy named Jean-Luc Picard, um, which is really funny. Uh, yeah, they, they call what Lutin did a form of counting coup. Now, we should probably explain what counting coup is. It's a Native American term, right? Yeah. It, well, it's... 
the term is from an obscure language known as French, but right. um, it's a custom that was practiced among various cultures, including famously among some North American uh, native cultures, where instead of killing somebody, you could, for example, ritually touch them or ritually take something from them that would cause them a loss of face. So it was like a less violent alternative to actual combat. Right? In a way, it's like when King David or David stole Solomon's uh, spear. So yep. Saul's. Saul's, that's Solomon, Saul's spear. Yeah, he may have stolen Solomon's too if Solomon, when he was, you know, five, was being too reckless with it. But get your spear, get your dad. spear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and your nose. So that that's what they figure is what what has happened with Lutin is that it's a form of counting coup, a, a ritual stealing. It turns out it's not actually. It has nothing to do really with the Federation and Picard. It really has to do with the internal politics and Lutin's uh, scheming. So here's how the, here's how that works. Um, on Ligon Two, the women own the property. So we're we have a semi matriarchy. The women own the property, and the men protect and rule it. And so, uh, Lutan's source of wealth, yeah, yeah, Lutan's source of wealth is his first wife, whose name is Yarina. And this is the stupidest name for this character possible <laughs> because she's going to end up in mortal combat with Lieutenant Yar. So we have the two rivals for uh, Lutan's affection and whatever, Yar and Yarina. Or little Yar. <laughs> Which yeah. is what the Ina yeah. suffix means. It also sounds kind of like Zarina. It's like, how did Yarina end up as the final name in the shooting script? So, I mean, that someone was just asleep on that. Right. Um, in any event, the, uh, the plot that Lutan is hatching here is he wants Yar, apparently, to kill Yarina for him so he can take all of Yarina's property for himself and mm -hmm. be its rightful owner, even though he already controls it. Yeah. And so his motive here is is not, like, really clear to me, but this is a murder plot. He, he's, he wants, he's, he's found this alien woman, he wants to knock off his wife. Right, and he assumes that when Yar wins, she'll want to go back on the Enterprise and leave him, which is essentially a bad version of the plot of a mock time. Yeah, where we also have a battle, and then someone wants to leave at the end. Right. Uh, so um, they have to convince Riker to let Picard lead the away team. That's a, a bit of a funny thing. And, and and eventually, I'm glad that Next Gen drops this whole, like, Picard's not allowed to leave the ship stuff, because that would just be dumb. Uh, it would be very boring. Um, <laughs> and then, well, there's also, the, as you mentioned, Jimmy, the, 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 the script, there's a lot of inconsistency. At one point where, where you know, Picard is told, you, you must be patient with them. You can't demand things. So Picard beams down and starts demanding to see Tasha. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm like, well, well, you know. And then he suddenly starts to be nice when he was being, a, you know, uh, uh, mean later and then nice again at pains to be nice. It just is so inconsistent. Veers back and forth. Um uh, they they get Lutan now, to make a promise, which he reneges on, and curse your sudden yet inevitable betrayal. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> shiny. <laughs> yes, um, very. Yeah. It, also, we get the famous line from Lutan at one point where Picard is being all demandy about Lieutenant Yar, and and he says, "Then you shall have no vaccine, no treaty, and no Lieutenant Yar." 
<laughs> and yeah. of course, the obvious question is: Okay, she still got her com badge. Beam her Why out. exactly beam her did they not just beam her up right away? <laughs> well, I think it's because they want to figure yeah. out a way that they can solve this and right. still get the vaccine. They're still you trying know. to do the dip- diplomatic method, you know, because I mean, they they make this big deal out of the fact that they are able to do use their, all their sensors without the the base the people knowing, right? You know, without Lutan knowing, and so it, it's like, okay, they know where she's at. And of course, I love it where they have this whole scene of, well, we're still zeroing in the sensors, but. You mean you don't already know exactly where they're at because of their comm <laughs> yeah. badges? Right, right. Well, and then there's this whole other scene, and I I still don't understand what this was about, where Picard and Troy get in to see Yar, and there's this whole thing where Troy tricks Yar into revealing her feelings about Lutan's desire for her, that she feels flattered, basically, by Lutan's uh, uh, you know, desire to have her be his wife. And 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 I'm like, oh, you tricked me. My, you, I thought you were my friend, Troy. Um, what was that all about? That was a weird scene. This is, I, I mean, it, it, on the character level, presumably Troy is rationalizing this to herself as helping Yar understand her true feelings, so she can navigate the sensu- the situation clear headedly. On a more human level, she's just being catty. Yeah, on, <laughs> pretty much on a uh, on a narrative level, Gene Roddenberry wants his characters to have the hots for each other. <laughs> yeah, right. Ugh, Roddenberry's. <laughs> by the way, by the way, speaking of weird stuff in this episode, so we have P- this conversation between Picard and Lutan and Lutan's assistant Hagon. Mm-hmm. And Picard is saying, but it puzzles me. If you feel that way for Tasha, why have you challenged her to fight to the death? And Lutan says, not I, Yarina. I am merely a spectator. And Picard says, ah, but you are also a man of great importance and wealth. And then the aide, Hagon, says, great importance, perhaps. But he does, and then Lutan cuts him off. And right. Picard says, ah, I see. You too understand the proper value of women, and it's like, well, wow, Picard is talking about the proper value of women as economic. Well, see, the the see in this scene, Picard suddenly is doing this. I'm just like you. I'm sidling right. up to you and pretending yep. to be your friend and being just like you, which Buttering just comes up. off odd. Yeah, yeah. It, it it just work. Which is my point. Yeah, yeah, which is was your point. Yeah, it was just so it was so weird, like just like Picard coming in and and uncomfortable. I'm just as slimy as you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The only excuse I can think of for a lot of this is they're just not comfortable with their characters yet. I mean, that's the only rational excuse I can think of. Well, some of it, yeah, and neither are the writers. Yeah, because yeah, I, I can't imagine Patrick Stewart even in six seasons from now. Being able to say this kind of line and not have it seem weird. It's just a weird <laughs> line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The writers are still trying to get to know the characters, too, I think. That's yeah. part of it, too. Um, then we have a scene with the Data and Jordy. Like, we have a lot of these, like, still getting to know you character scenes mm-hmm. in this this one. Uh, so Data visits Jordy in his quarters where Jordy is shaving uh, by pretending to wave something over his face. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, uh, Data, you know, asks him why he's not using the one he has peak efficiency, and then they have a like a joke. Data still doesn't understand humor, 
and then says something about having a slip of the tongue. And I'm like, is Data capable of having a slip of the tongue? If Skype can freeze, Data is totally capable of having a slip <laughs> of the tongue. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh, that's This is true. He's but, got uh, thousands yes. of pr- programs running at once. That yep. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, he, he also is, apparently has a, a, a large store of dad jokes. So that's mm-hmm. a point in his this, favor. This, this scene actually, for me, was one of the most memorable moments, uh, not uh, in particularly because it's good, but one of the most memorable moments of season one of uh, of and this was one of two moments that i remember really remembered from this episode the one was the lame fight between yar and yarina and the other was the i said kiddlies did a lie moment (laughs) and then including the kiddlies uh which is his slip of the tongue right and jordy thinking that accidental remark is the funny one but the kidneys, kiddlies joke is the one that uh, that really. Mm. St- I mean, it says something when that's one of the two most memorable moments of this episode for you, for years yeah. until you rewatch it. Right, right. Picard eventually gives a uh, speech because that's what oh, he does yeah. on outdo- outdated codes of honor protected by the Prime Directive. Uh, but I have to give him credit; he stops in self awareness that he's monologuing. In the, in the lamest way possible, and then they hang a lantern on it. I mean, he stops and says, this right. is becoming a speech. And then Tasha, wanting to suck up to the captain, apparently, says, you're the no, captain. Troy does. Yeah, Troy yeah. does. Yeah. You're the captain. You're entitled. And then Picard <laughs> says, not entitled to ramble on about something everybody knows. It's like, yes, thank you for the useless exposition that you've now extended. Alex can say those. I wanted to hear from you know the movie Incredibles. You got me monologuing, you sly dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the monologuing of Picard. That, this is not the last time he will do so. Um, they point out that the weapons that they are to fight with are light, as if made for women. I just thought that was oh, so very 80s. You could have uh, those be much lighter poison spike weapons and yeah. <laughs> if you wanted. Uh, by the way... Um, uh, I would recommend not attending uh, any of these particular bouts or matches as a spectator, yeah. because you know, oh, yeah. if, if you get accidentally scratched by one of these things, you're you're dead meat, like that as, poor guy. As <laughs> happens, and then they the Starfleet people don't do anything. Give them up to the ship and give exactly. Them up. They yeah. just let this spectator. They die. couldn't do that. I mean, they 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 just let them die, right? Oh wait, that's the resolution to the battle. Yeah, right, right. Which, 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 by the way, Gene Roddenberry must have wanted this battle to go this way because he likes pole dancing or something. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's very weird. It's like a jungle gym that they're like swinging around on. Like, I mean, except, having a battle. Ex- except it really shows off the low quality of the sets because as Yar and Yarina are jungle gymming around on this thing, the poles <laughs> are like wobbling and bending and yeah. stuff. Oh, and they're moving so slowly. I mean, there's no. There's no real athleticism in in it. There's no like mm-hmm. you know if this were modern day, they'd be flipping around in gymnastics, and you know it would be it would be unrealistic, but you know they would be something yeah. interesting. This they're just kind of like hopping on the cubes and well, there's, moving around. There's the, the one scene where Yar gets knocked down, and she's by the laser beam of death, and gets <laughs> yeah. underneath it, and she sits there for like a second, looking at it before she tries to move. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. There's another one where like. 
she, someone swings and realizes they're about to hit the other person. I forget what, who was doing the swinging, one of the yards, and swings <laughs> and has to stop before making contact because the other one hasn't moved out of the way yet. Uh, and just, I mean, so very, it was so very obvious. It was, it was not done well. There, um, yeah. there are two things we can say in favor of this fight, though. Number one, it is more athletic than the fight with the Gorn. <laughs> yes, yeah. this is and true. number number two, it is not accompanied by the da 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 music. Okay, now somebody has right to make that YouTube video. <laughs> <laughs> we need, in fact, we need a supercut of next gen fights that includes that music. That would be really yeah, great. Awesome. Someone needs to do that. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so the 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 whole plan that. Picard came up with to save Tasha and save the day was to for Lutan to think Yarina is dead. Uh, for, after and not the fight. just think she has to die. Right, yeah. she's dead. She's not even just mostly dead. She's she's dead. Um, and so so that he because reveal that he wanted to claim her wealth, and then it turns out she's not dead. Uh, she was only mostly dead, and so they turn the tables on him, and she chooses. Not Horgon, that's yeah. the other thing. Hogan. Hagon. Yeah. yeah Hagon. So Hogan. Yavo, <laughs> 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 my commandant. Um, yes. So the way this goes down is Yar poisons Yarina with the yep. spiky glove thing. And right. then they counter kidnap. And so yep. she lays on Yarina and they beam them both up. And Crusher starts treating Yarina, who has just died from the poison but she starts treating her and yar is like oh i don't know if this is going to work she's not she's too far gone and crusher actually has a nice line at this point she says she just calmly says that conflicts with my orders and keeps treating her right and and so picard reasons with lutan that he knows the effect of the poison he just he, he he knows that she's certainly dead even though we just abducted her body so you can't examine it (laughs) and therefore she must be dead right and so you can go ahead and give us that vaccine and meanwhile he's inherited all of yarina's wealth and lands because apparently it can go to the guy it doesn't transfer to some other woman in her family right then uh so picard gets the vaccine Uh, they start beaming down a medical team to get the vaccine in quantity and then they pull a double counter kidnap and picard has five of them beam up, including Lutan and his assistant, Hagon, and they escort them into the briefing room, and this is witchcraft, Yarina, because she's (laughs) sitting there totally not dead. Yes. And Picard is like, we will provide you records that show she died and that shows that Dr. Crusher brought her back from being dead. And they're totally not fake records. They're totally They they, they can't make something that looks like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and we we didn't like totally clean the the poison off of that glove and put sleeping drops on it instead, you know. Right. I mean yeah. there's all kinds of possibilities here. Or fake a triox compound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In on uh, Ligon, uh just like on Earth, uh, marriage d- dissolves at the moment of death until death yes. is part. Right, so that's something I, I uh, that any normal culture would would have established uh, or not. But apparently, wives coming back from the dead is not unprecedented on uh, on <laughs> Ligon Two because 
it's immediately obvious to everyone that now that Yarina is still alive, she has re-inherited all of her property. And so yes. it doesn't belong to Lutan anymore. Even though he inherited it from her, she has reverse inherited it from him because she's back from the dead. And there's no legal question about this in anybody's mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, so apparently this is settled case law on Ligon 2. And, <laughs> <to> precedent. And, <laughs> yeah. and so she, realizing that her husband just tried to get her killed, uh, <laughs> decides to not have him as her primary husband anymore. She's going to let Hagon have control of her property now. But she still apparently has fondness for the man who tried to kill her. And so she'll accept him as her number two now. <laughs> <laughs> Who does number two work for? Uh, so, sorry, that's the Austin Powers reference. So, uh-huh. um, the uh, the Hagon apparently gets to be the ruler of the planet because during the fight he yelled, "Watch out, Yurina!" So yeah. you know, it's just it's <laughs> yeah, the little exactly. things in life that that really make a difference. Oh, uh, and then. Uh, and and, and then Hagon gets the gets this line at the end of this scene where now that uh Lutan has humbly accepted his position as the new number two. Yes. Um ooh, that's a prisoner reference. Um, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, yep. Hagon says, As you see, Captain, you may exceed in technology, but not in civilized behavior. <laughs> well <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> so so um, the what the note I want to finish on here for me is there is no nuance in the portrayal of honor culture here. It has all the subtlety no. of a sledgehammer. Um, but and even then, it's not clear what the ultimate point they're trying to make is. Honor culture bad? Uh, uh, that non-honor culture superior? I, 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 I'm left at the end of this going, well, what was the what was their point? Like, what was the <laughs> point ultimately? I don't think this. they knew what the point was, to be honest right. with you. It just kind yeah. of jumps all over the place. I don't know. What do I, you guys think? Any last thoughts here? Well, you know, I mean, just kind of what that, that, that question is. I, I jokingly say that, but it really, I mean, I, I think it. a lot of it was to get the the Federation is better than these primitive races. You know, we're so advanced now, as not just technologically, but morally and philo- philosophically and in every way the Federation is better and look at these primitive races right right i i think it's gene roddenberry wants to virtue signal with the superiority of the federation to these people at the same time he's also attracted to the two women fighting over a man to the death thing and so that has to be (laughs) part of it too so i think it's a collision of those different things he's intrigued by this culture uh, as the showrunner, but he also wants the Federation to be morally superior to this culture on right. the fundamental level, even if he'll let them score points on minor things. Okay. Yep. In terms of other notes on this episode, this episode more than most shows that there are actually two elevators on the bridge. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. right. And they come out of both of them in this episode. Yep. And that's something we don't normally see. Yarina, at talking about the sledgehammerness of all this, Yarina cannot believe that Yar doesn't love Lutan. How could you not? Every woman loves him. <laughs> yes, uh, the, we, that 
philosophy. We also have this weird, annoying custom that the Ligonians have of at a public event, they have these drumsticks that they're constantly <laughs> clashing together. And yeah. and it's not clear is like this is sort of like applause, except why are they doing it constantly, not mm. just at moments where something dramatic happens? It reminds me of those things that started a few years ago. I think with Vuvuzelas, Vuvuzelas. That's what they're well, called. Yeah, yeah. The Vuvuzelas yeah. is the thing you blow, but there's also that they actually at some. I don't know. Yeah, they've got those, something like those thunder sticks that you get thunder like sticks. at games or stuff. They they where they inf- they inflate them and they th- smack them together. Yes, because that oh. what the world needed was the, the <laughs> thunder. More sticks. useless noise. More yeah. useless noise at sporting events. Uh, yeah, so that's yeah. apparently the this was a, the or, or, origination of it. But I like the <laughs> idea that they're drumsticks of some sort. This is a real drumming culture. They love right. everybody loves to drum. Who oh, love to drum? Yeah. yeah, very tribal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very. I, I I find it interesting that the Ligonians want to be paid in re, for the vaccine in respect rather than money. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing. And then mm-hmm. I find it very interesting that on this nearby planet where we're told there are millions of deaths occurring, once they get the vaccine, let's take warp three to that plague planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's nine. Millions <laughs> of deaths are occurring. Let's right. yeah, exactly. warp three out there. Oh, just just so they get out of the solar system, and then they can take off. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. they don't say that. And then we'll have the yeah. kid driving the the ship yeah. uh, to, I do, to there. I do have uh, one kind of one mm-hmm. one last comment too. Is you know for the first season, the production values were not very good, but this one seems like wor- the worst for production values. There's one scene where it's Riker, Picard, Troy, and Data are on the bridge, and you can literally hear the plywood under the set as Riker is walking. You can hear oh, really? walking on plywood. The The microphone sounded more like this, or they're way back. They sounded really, really, really back far. You could just, you could hear echoes. And, mm-hmm. and of course, the, you know, Luton's uh, throne room looked like, well, basically a empty set with a painted wall that they just threw some stuff in. <laughs> right, so, right, right. And of course, we talked about the, the fight scene as well. I mean, it's just the production values were horrible in this. Yeah, like they threw everything together. It was really weird. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I think that's I think enough said about this. Let us never speak of it again. And uh, uh, the code of honor is now in the books. I do have a little bit of feedback I want to uh, read Ooh, from cool. uh, from a listener who wrote a review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you nice, so much. Thank we, you. We, we do greatly appreciate every one of those reviews. Uh, this one comes from BSKFD who wrote, uh, getting the chance to watch old episodes of Star Trek and then hear you guys discuss the episodes is a highlight of my week. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Well, That's thank awesome. you, BSKFD. Uh, hopefully watching Code of Honor was a bit of a highlight, yeah. I suppose. But maybe you can enjoy us uh, complaining about it. <laughs> That's fun, too. So uh, if, any, if, you, if you would like to go and write a review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you can write, reviews of the show we greatly appreciate it and uh just like you hear from bskfd there uh, we want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of star trek including tim s tay m christopher h lynn l and richard l their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of star trek and all the shows at starquest you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. All right, that's it from us. Dare I ask what you think of Code of Honor and what we had to say about it 
Uh, let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or send us an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the Deep Space Nine episode, Babel. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. Jimmy Yakin, thank you as well. Thank you. I'm looking forward to talking about uh, aphasia on Deep Space Nine and yes. live long and prosper, golden window, monkey dog, pig boy. <laughs> <laughs> once again, I'm Don Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, honor is everything. That was the best line I could find out of that episode. That wasn't embarrassing to say. Heh <laughs>